Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, we are ready to roll again. For Ernie, this is Monty, and together we are the Sports Rivals, and today... Is such a wonderful day for Ernie. It We're is. going to talk a lot of NBA. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. We're going to talk about certain players and what to do with them in the offseason. And then we're going to get our first look at the NFL schedule, especially as it pertains to Ernie Steelers and my Rams. But Ernie, let's start first with the NBA. And congratulations, the Celtics move on Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. to the Eastern Conference Finals Winning Game 7 handily today in Boston. Oh, it, it was handily, but uh, boy, I was on pins and needles from the get-go. I mean, uh, I put out uh, a lot of YouTube comments <laughs> prior to that game, and boy, I'm glad they won, or I would have caught hell and fury <laughs> this afternoon. So thank you, Celtics, for sparing that for me and advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. It was very hard fought, I mean, as far as... Uh, a worthy opponent the Bucks even without Middleton uh, that was it I mean the Celtics did their wins came without Smart in one game and Rob Williams uh, passed game two I mean so you know you could uh, we could argue there if that evened it out Middleton is an it's a three-time all-star Marcus Smart on that game two is def- reigning defensive player of the year so I mean let's just say this I don't I, if Middleton was there the way that the Celtics won in their games, I don't think there would be much of a difference. N- nevertheless, very good, fought, hard-fought series. Giannis is a beast. I mean, I have more respect for them. I like. I always liked Giannis. It's the Bucks fans that kind of like made me hate Giannis. He plays to the whistle, and you know, if I have that advantage, why not? Why not? You know. Use your God-given talents to get the most uh, out of your game, especially, uh, you know, when, you know, Boston did the same thing to Kevin Durant in the series prior, you know. But impose your will, impose your will. Uh, A lot of props to him. Doing it without his second fiddle. Uh, Drew Holiday tried his best to be that second fiddle, but, but not enough bullets in the Milwaukee Bucks gun. Yeah, I I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I I, I think... Definitely the Celtics were the better team. And I don't even think it came down to, you know how we had talked about Milwaukee's going to regret allowing Boston to have game seven Mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. Well, Milwaukee could have closed them out in six and they lost. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't think that really had anything to play here. Where I do think the Chris Middleton thing is much bigger uh, of an issue. Yes, the Celtics overcame Marcus Smart. The Celtics overcame not having Robert Williams. But I think... As brilliant as Giannis was, especially statistically, not having Middleton caused Giannis to be more inefficient. Yes. You know, he's a 50 to 55% field goal shooter. Yes, he'll struggle sometimes from the line. But, I mean, he was shooting about 40%. He was having to take 30, 35 shots to get his 40 points. Um, That's not what he's really comfortable with. But the burden was on him, especially early because Holiday was really struggling until you know he, he had a pretty good game today but it was too little too late because the Celtics are on fire especially one Grant Williams mm-hmm. um, the Celtics were the better team in this series but congratulations to Giannis and then we'll get a little bit into this when we talk about MVPs no matter how great you are you're only as good when it comes to winning the chip as the people surrounding you exactly, as well exactly there is no one good enough not even Michael Jordan could win until he had Scottie Pippen. Right. You know, so no one is good enough to win on their own. Giannis gave it a shot, um, but the Celtics prevail. And they move on now to face the Miami Heat, mm-hmm. who knocked off the 76ers in six games, um, really taking it to them in games five and six. Your early thoughts on the Heat-Celtics final in the Eastern Conference. It, it, it should, that's going to be a good chess match. I mean, I think the Miami Heat, they, I mean, they have a more well-rounded team, okay? They have a well, way more better well-rounded team than the Milwaukee Bucks. They don't have a Giannis. Uh, 
also, uh, for, as far as perimeter defense, uh, yeah, they have P.J. Tucker, but they don't have a, a Drew Holiday. You know, somebody, somebody like that. P.J. Tucker is more one-dimensional. Yeah, he'll hit the occasional three-point shot. Uh, but, so I think that from a defensive standpoint, the Bucks were tougher. But from an offensive standpoint, you know, you got Mr. You got Jimmy Buckets there. Yeah, uh, you got Struess who is uh, playing lights out. You got Tyler Hero, reigning sixth man of the year, and you got Adam Bio. I mean, he's a force. Uh, to me, he's he's baby Giannis. You know, just uh, just a little smaller. Uh, it's going to be a good match, and Miami has home court advantage. Uh, you know, by being the number one seed, so. Uh, I hate to make my predictions early. I mean, I really would like to see that first game. Uh, I, I think I'm. Uh, I just think I uh, from a trying to be very impartial on top of this, which I know I can't because I'm a I'm a diehard Boston Celtics fan. But I think this is going to come in to regards to can Boston hold their perimeter players in check. Uh, in order to impose the world because I don't, you know, I, I think Boston will score more e easily inside. And I think they figured that out in the Milwaukee Bucks series. I don't think Miami has the same type of length as, uh, you know, <coughs> uh, uh, that they were used to in this current series. But it, it, it's going to come all down to, in my opinion, it's going to come down to the outside shooting prowess of Miami. Yeah, I mean, so... As you all know, I'm a Laker fan, so I do not have the same impartiality as Ernie when it comes to this series. <laughs> I like the Celtics in six. Uh, I think the Celtics are the better team, especially with the hobbled Kyle Lowry. Yeah. You know, you take him out, he's a leader. He'll still lead from the sideline, but that's just not the same thing. I think P.J. Tucker will be assigned to Jason Tatum, but I think Jason Tatum in this playoffs has taken that next step. He mm -hmm. is taking the step to superstardom. His game uh, six performance in Milwaukee, 46 points, hitting everything in sight in the fourth quarter to lock things down for the Celtics. Another efficient high-scoring game today when it wasn't necessary. Um, I think the Celtics are the better team. They're the number one defense in the league. They're going to be at near full strength. Robert Williams has some issues with his knee. Um, but I don't think that's as problematic in this series. No. Um, I, I think Boston wins in six, maybe even faster. You know, yeah. I say six because the Boston game, will, you know, Miami has the home court. I say they'll split the first two. I think Boston will go home, win both. I think Miami will come back and win game five in their last hurrah because they play with guts all the time. That's, that's something that they're never going to give up. But then Boston will go home and, and knock them out in six. That's my thought. The only thing that could prevent that from happening is some kind of an injury. Um, I just I just don't see it. I, I, I know Tyler Hero can play big against the Celtics. Uh, I don't think Miami has enough to beat Boston. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. They don't have a Giannis. They don't have a Holiday. Yes, Bucks were missing, um, you know, Middleton. But I thought the Boston-Milwaukee series was going to determine the Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm, Boston has won that. And I expect Boston to prevail and advance to the NBA Finals after a 4-2 victory over Miami. Well, I hope you're right. And Vegas seems to think you're right, too, because they, the early odds on top of that, on the money, they're once, plus 160 on the money line, which even for me as a, as a Celtic fan, I thought that would be more like 120, 130. But I, that must be a lot of Boston money, <laughs> early Boston money after this series going, uh, you know, uh, making that money line that way. So I, I think for Miami, it's absolutely critical that they win game one. Mm -hmm. Because one thing Boston does have is they're still relatively young, especially as it relates to being in, a, in, in, in an Eastern Conference final. Mm -hmm. So we saw that in the last series where Milwaukee came out, controlled game one and won game one. And then Boston... After that, Boston pretty much controlled the series. Even the games that Milwaukee won, I thought Boston gave those games away. Um, this one, if Boston steals game one, it could be even faster yeah, than, it, than six games. Yeah, I mean, it could be a four-game sweep um, if if they allow Boston to come in and handle game one. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on top of that. I mean, Boston did show signs of immaturity. 
again, complaining with the calls, uh, you know, allowing the Bucks to go on, you know, mini runs to get back into the games, uh, stupid errors, you know, getting a little confident, uh, relying too much on the outside ball rather than driving in. Uh, you know, a lot of mistakes where I don't think veteran teams, championship teams make. I mean, those little things can come back to bite you in the end. And Miami are one of those championship teams. If you're going to beat them, you got to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And so in, in this series, I think Boston has the best player in Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. I think an argument can be made that Miami has a second best player in Jimmy Buckets. The third best player... I would say Jalen Brown, the fourth best player, Bam Adebayo. You know, so it's right. pretty even when you get to that. The next level, though, you know, who's going to really, really step up? Marcus Smart is never going to be necessarily counted on to average 20 points, but his defense, I'm curious to see who they put him on. Mm-hmm. You know, in the starting lineup, do they put him on Jimmy Butler? I'm guessing that's, that's what's what, going to happen. I, me too. I, I'm guessing that's where he's going to go. Um, but I don't see Miami having an answer for, for Jason Tatum. I really don't. If they put P.J. Tucker on him, um, I don't know. The way he's playing now, Giannis was on him, and he still was scoring 40 points. And Giannis, to me, is the best defensive player in the NBA. He may not have won it, but in terms of his versatility and his length, uh, Tatum was was nails. Yes. Uh, so, and, and, yeah, and if that happens, Jalen Brown is going to go hog well because if Struz starts or Struz gets any type of uh, minutes like he had in the previous series... Jalen Brown, is just, he just doesn't have the athleticism to keep up with that. Yeah, and then Grant Williams is just a sneaky good player. I mean, you talked about it off the air. He's a 42% three-point shooter. Today, he hit seven. He did take 18, right? Um, but he hit seven. But he's just a he's one of those players that's starting to remind me of those key guys, like a Jay Crowder, um, but better mm-hmm. because he has a better shot, but he's a leader. You see him talking to... Tatum oh, yeah. and Brown and, and being that emotional <laughs> leader uh, coming off the bench in just, what is this, his third year, I yes, think? third year. You know, so he's showing that kind of leadership ability, but he is so sneaky important. Early in the series, they got Horford went crazy right. yeah. and helped them steal that first one in, in Milwaukee. Grant Williams went crazy today. Uh, if the Celtics get help for Tatum and Brown like that, it's I, I think it's going to be an easy series. So let's transition to the West where Ernie, I know you've been touting the um, the defensive prowess of the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. But today's game seven in Phoenix <laughs> was absolutely stunning. Uh, annihilation. The Phoenix Suns annihilation. did not show up for game seven in a humiliating mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever been a number one seed the way they were, 64 regular season wins, all of their players there, game seven at home, and they're down by 45 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Just stunning, Ernie. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, this, this whole series kind of revolved around uh, CP3. I mean, the guy is, you know, was at least was considered uh, one of the best point guards in the NBA, and he's probably still is, but that defense sure made him look mediocre. I mean, he uh, he hardly gave up any turnovers. He was more of a you know uh, he was the you know the the top facilitator. You know, runs the offense the way you want, but that Dallas Mavericks team, who was second in the NBA. After uh, in 2022, second to the Boston Celtics, annihilated him. And I, I think, you know, I think coming into this game with that defense, because defense travels. Defense is more consistent than offense. Offense, you can be streaky. Defense, you play defense. I mean, that, that, that is something that, uh, you know, doesn't take the, you know, your, your highs and lows uh, aren't uh, as uh, far in between as uh, it is on the offense. So once Luca had that first quarter where he went off like crazy, I think 17 points in the first quarter, started yapping not only to uh, the Phoenix Suns, but yapping off to their, to their celebrities sitting in the front row. He was just... And his smile went off, and and you gotta like Luca because he doesn't have his he doesn't have that menacing face, you know. 
and everything. Like, he just smiles, but that smile can be quite irritating if you're on the opposing side. Oh, I mean, he's, a, <laughs> a, a, but he's a superstar. Yeah. I mean, he, this is the epitome of what difference making superstars do. He showed up big time. Put him away in the first half. And Phoenix's superstars, first of all, referencing CP3, he fell off a cliff. Mm. He had a pretty good game one. I believe he closed them out in the fourth quarter. After that, he was atrocious. Yeah. I mean, he fell off a cliff. He was completely useless. And they still have two more years at $40 million with him. And based on what I saw in the second half uh, of this series... Whew, that might be a lot of, of, of wasted money for the next two years. But even Devin Booker, he was solid all series. But today, he didn't show up. I mean, between Paul and Booker, first half, they're 0 for 10. And they're down 57 to 27 at halftime. Luka had just as much points as the entire <laughs> Phoenix Suns team. It was it was shocking. Yeah. It didn't surprise me that Dallas put out a Game 7 win. Although this series, the home team had won all oh, of the first six right. games. But to do it in the fashion that they did it, I mean, I, I think this is going to send shockwaves through the Phoenix organization where they're going to start to get desperate and do something big in the offseason because this isn't going to work. Yeah. I mean, last year they almost won the title. That might have been their best chance because if they're going to get knocked out by Dallas now, Memphis is coming. Golden State is back. Dallas just beat them. Dallas, Luka's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to go anywhere. Uh, CP3 is getting older. Aiton, they're not going to sign him to a long-term deal. He might be the one to go, but I'm not sure what they get from him. You know, what kind of value will they get from DeAndre Aiton? Because um, they're not going to give him a max deal, nor should they. Mm -hmm. I mean, in today's day and age, he's not the type of center that gets a max deal, in my opinion. So, shocking. The people in the Phoenix area must be devastated. Um, but you're right. You know, you're singing the praises of their defense, and they advance. And now, yep. that sets up a very interesting series. So, we talked about this off the air. I think in the East, you're going to have a grinding, physical type of of competitive mm -hmm. doesn't make it bad but it's going to be more of a grind in the west it's going to be a lot more open a lot more shooting a lot more offensive i would think mm -hmm. um but it's a pretty exciting matchup you know one versus two in the east it's three versus four right. in the west right. your thoughts on well first of all let's take a step back before we get to the final Comment about Golden State's 4-2 victory over Memphis. I, I was actually, I'm, I'm, you know what? I knew Memphis was good. I, I came out several podcasts ago saying that they're just too young. You know, they got good pieces in Morant and Bain, Jackson, all, all, all good pieces. But they were just too young. They grew up a lot. I, I didn't think, I thought this was going to be a, a five-game series. And I wouldn't have been surprised if Golden State swept them. But even with uh, John Morant hurt, boy, I mean, if if the regular uh, season mirrors the playoffs, it was the same thing. Because in the regular season, they did very, very, I think they were like 22 and 4, I think, when John Morant didn't play in, in the regular season. But when John Morant went out, they put a 50-burger. Well, at least during the game, they put a 50-burger on Golden yeah, State. I mean, they almost won game four. They gave them yeah, fits in game exactly. four. They blew them out in game five. They gave them fits in game six until about four minutes left uh, when they pulled away. Um, I love their grit. They never gave up. They never lost their confidence. They never... Um, wavered from their belief in themselves with or without John mm -hmm. Moran. They mm -hmm. showed a lot of fortitude that is what you need to take the next step. So I was very impressed by Memphis. I thought, I I was thought Golden State did an okay job. They were hot and cold. Um, I think they're vulnerable. They are. You know, I, you know when, we, when we evaluate the finals, I think they're vulnerable uh, right now. And it's going to be curious when we talk about matchups. One of the things, you guys know, that we've talked about this before, that I'm a big Jordan Poole fan because my daughter is a huge Jordan Poole fan. But I think one thing that happened for sure, and if this doesn't correct itself, I think it's going to be a problem for the Warriors. But after the whole John Moran controversy with Jordan Poole and did he injure him, I think we can all agree that that touch on 
on his knee did not cause a deep bone bruise. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have aggravated something that was already there, but Poole was never the same from that moment on. No, correct. In game five, after scoring 27 points in game, in game three, in game four, he barely shot the ball. He had like eight points and five turnovers. He was a non-factor in game five when he went one for six and they got annihilated. In game six, he was a little bit more aggressive, but he was still two for 11 from three. They need the three guys to be on their game in order for them to march through this Dallas series. But I think Draymond Green's going to get the assignment of Luka Doncic because I think he matches up with him and it'll make it harder for him. I also think Jalen Brunson's going to get the matchup with Steph Curry and he's going to make it physical on Steph Curry like they did with Chris Paul. Now, it remains to be seen. Can he make it harder for Curry? Probably somebody else is going to have to step up because Clay had some games that he was shooting lights out and Clay had some games that he was stinking it up. Mm-hmm. You know, very inconsistent at this point. So I like the Warriors in seven, but again, it would not surprise me if the best player, and as great as Curry is, I believe Luka's the best player in this series. They always have a chance. And yeah. he proved it against Phoenix, and he could do it again against the Warriors. Yeah, I think I, I like the Warriors also. I like them in I like them in seven just because of the Luka factor, uh, you know, that they pull it in. But let's just say this. If any team goes takes this in six, I'll ride with the Dallas Mavericks, you know. Uh, I just don't think uh, the scoring prowess of their three-guard system is something that uh, is going to be consistent. I mean, if Memphis has a decent defense, Dallas has a good defense. I mean, uh, they're going to test that perimeter shooting. And one guy who we really didn't touch upon who can negate Clay is Spencer Dinwiddie, who had a 30-point game today. I mean, he's like Clay. I mean, he can, he can be a scoring guy. The guy, I remember one time during the regular season, that guy had like three... Uh, buzzer beaters in a row so that guy is that guy is clutch so if he can bring that to the playoffs uh it's 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 gonna be tough i do like uh like i said earlier i do like the golden state warriors just for the fact that you know uh, they just had they've been there done that i mean that you nothing can replicate uh a championship team you know they know they've been there they've done that they know how to make the fine adjustments this is Dallas's first jump. This is Luca's first jump into the foray. So even he, even how great he is, uh, this is gonna, this is new to him, you know. So uh, that's the advantage that the Golden State Warriors have. If it goes to a game seven, uh, I'd be surprised if uh, Dallas does the same thing. Well, Dallas. Ain't, I'd be surprised if Dallas did anything to any team like, like what they did to the Phoenix yeah. Suns today. <laughs> But you know what? With Luca, though, I just he just has that it. He I does. think he's going to be one of those that rises to the, uh, the to the occasion. So if Dallas doesn't win this, it's not going to be because Luca didn't didn't no. dominate or no. play really really well. It's going to be because the Warriors beat him. So I'm I'm excited to see exactly what happens. But gang, it is clear. It is absolutely clear. Everybody talks about offense and scoring and spreading things out and ball movement and making shots. Bottom line is the best defensive team in the league is in the Eastern Conference Finals. One of the best defensive teams in the league is playing against them in the Miami Heat. The second best defensive team in the NBA is in the Western Conference Finals with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Oh man, I wish Jason Kidd was the Laker coach. I mean, he should have been. And gang, let's not forget that Jason Kidd was with the Lakers for the last three years, responsible for the defense. True, true. And when the Lakers won the title two years ago, the Lakers had the number one defensive team in the NBA. And the Lakers were stupid this year because what they decided to do was trade away or give up all our good defensive players for more offense. And yeah. we saw how that panned out. Exactly. Caruso went to Chicago. Kuzma and KCP went to the Wizards. We brought in Russell Westbrook, and it was an absolute resounding failure. Defense wins. Defense wins. Because like you said, defense is always going to give it's you all, a chance. Exactly. And and the Golden State Warriors are actually, uh, for the regular season, they were second. Dallas was just second. Uh, 
in 2022. So you got four good defensive teams. How how good uh, Golden State is on offense, they are absolutely as good on defense. Well, that's Draymond. I mean, yeah. Draymond is the catalyst. Draymond makes the makes makes everything go for them. So that's going to be an exciting series. So let's transition to MVP. The MVP came out this week. There's a lot of uh, the Joker won for the second time mm-hmm. uh, in a row. Um, Embiid came in second. Giannis came in third. There, and it wasn't even that close, really. That's, I mean, Joker that, had sixty-five votes. I believe Embiid had twenty-six. Yeah. And Giannis had nine. Exactly. So the so the Joker wanted pretty convincingly, but a lot of talk out there that Joel Embiid got robbed. Um, your thoughts on that, Ernie? Okay. Well, if you listen to this podcast on a consistent basis, you know about six weeks to maybe two months ago, I I had. Uh, the Joker as my MVP leader at that time. Since then, I've uh, a light bulb has come in my head, <laughs> and this is coming from the fact that okay, from the, my criteria, if I take off Embiid from the Philadelphia 76ers, and I put and I take out Joker from uh, the Denver Nuggets, who's gonna be uh, better? Or who's gonna who's gonna come out worse? Where that's where the MVP comes into to play. Now, it's not a shock to me. Again, I picked Joker early, but it, what what's a shock to me is like you said that twenty six. There's a hundred votes. He only got twenty six percent of the first place votes. That's a travis. That's a travesty to me. So so again, we call, we're called the sports rivals, but like we talked about, you know, a couple of weeks back. We don't necessarily go at each other. This is one that we're gonna go at each other because I compl- for me, Embiid wasn't even second. I would have voted Giannis no. second, <laughs> and I would have gone Embiid third. So, so let let's take a step back. When when Ernie says that if you took Embiid off, if you took Embiid off of the Sixers, you still have Tobias Harris, right. you still have Maxi, yeah. you still have Harden, which right. I'll get to in a little bit. Okay, and before that, you had Curry. If you take the Joker off of Denver. Who do you have? Aaron Gordon. That's it. <laughs> That's all you have. You don't. Jamal Murray missed the whole season. Michael Porter missed the whole season. That's like taking away Tobias Harris and James Harden the whole year and expecting them to do what Denver did. So some people were saying, well, you know, Denver was the sixth seed and Miami was, I mean, uh, Philadelphia was the fourth seed. Granted. Yeah. Philadelphia won 51 games, right. Denver won 48 games. Right. So there's a three-game difference in their one-loss record. Right. Okay? Um, the fact that Joker led the, the Nuggets to a 48-34 and 34 record with no help, and that was a resoundingly obvious thing in right. the Golden State series right. where he was going for 35, 40 points a game, and they were still losing. <laughs> he had no help. Um I, I, I just I okay. cannot I cannot okay. see this. So let, you gotta convince let, me why Embiid's the me, winner. Let me shed light. Let me shed let me shed the light of knowledge onto your argument of the as far as games I'm concerned, Joker played in five more games than Embiid. That's another reason why he should win it. No, Embiid but Embiid missed 14 games. Then you if if that's the reason you cannot use record. Okay, you cannot use record because he had five more chances in order to do that. Embiid was the first center to win the scoring title since your man Shaquille O'Neal did it in 2000. That's 22 years ago. I mean, the way that the game is played today in regards to center play from an offensive standpoint is uh, is taken away. So for him to overcome that, that's a feat on top of himself. On top of that, the Joker has everything in regards to the media, everything that regards to his fan base that pulls towards him and Embiid had to had to go through the trials and tribulations of having a front office who didn't trade uh Simmons until like the 11th hour and 59th minute and he had to deal with that for a better part of the season that takes a toll and for him to handle it that way and not to make it uh, a, a bigger detriment to me that is something that you got to give him uh, uh, some some type of credit for, even though he was a cause to that problem. You can't. That was in two thousand and twenty one. Mm-hmm. Two thousand twenty one. That that doesn't count. We're, we're we're talking about this NBA season. For all those reasons, and for the fact that they made it further, 
they made it further to me in the games that I watched. And I'll, I'll be quite honest with you, I did not watch a majority of the games that Joker played. I didn't watch a majority of the games that uh, Embiid played. But the games that I did watch when, uh, when both of them played, Embiid, just from the eye test, looked the part of MVP. Joker, uh, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve this. I'm, I'm more upset by the fact that it was like 64 to 26. He does not deserve twice as many votes as Embiid. If it came out to the fact that he won the, he won the award and it was more like 40 to 37, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be more tolerable. Well, you're right. I mean, the the margin of, of of the voting, I think, is a concern because I can't believe Giannis had nine votes and Embiid had 26. I mean, Giannis should have been ahead of Embiid. But let's go. Let's take a step back. Okay. The one time that they played each other. Okay. This year, Denver went to Philadelphia because they sat out when they went to Denver. Okay. In Philly, both of them played. Joker beat them. In Philly, the one time that they played against okay. each other, Denver beats them. Now, statistically, Joel Embiid averaging over 30.6 points a game and beating LeBron James for the scoring title is a remarkable feat. There's, there's no denying that. There's no denying that. But the Joker had the greatest statistical season in the history of the NBA. The highest player efficiency rating the only player in NBA history with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists in the same season. Gang, nobody in NBA history has ever done that. And he did that. So statistically, he has, to me, overall, Joel Embiid beat him in scoring. But the Joker averaged 14 assists and nine, I mean, 14 rebounds and nine assists a game. So in terms of his role, not only did he have to score, he had to rebound and he had to facilitate the offense. He led the Nuggets in scoring, rebounding, assists, steals, and blocks. Every statistical category, he led the Nuggets. That's how brutal they were. Joel Embiid had an unbelievable season. I'm not, I'm just joking, uh, kind of joking when when I say, um, you know, that the Joker was so much better. Joel Embiid had a great season, but there's no way, no matter how you want to evaluate this, the only argument that I heard really put out there is Joel Embiid's team had a better record. And you dismiss that as saying that that's really not, not the case. And if you use that as a criteria, then Giannis had the better record than the Sixers. You know, so Giannis to me had an unbelievable season as well. So three fabulous candidates the fact that people are saying my my problem like your your problem was that it was such a blowout yeah my problem is i don't know how you can objectively say joel Embiid got robbed and and he got impacted by it right because mm-hmm. once he lost he was trash and miami just waxed them in games five and six and he was not the same well he wasn't the same because of uh you know, fractured orbital yeah. and a bruise. Yeah. No, but he played better before the MVP came right. out, even right. with his injuries. And I right. give him credit for coming back because after the first two games, they were down 2-0. He could have easily mailed it in with a fractured orbital bone yeah. and, and nobody would have thought the worst of it. Yeah. But he tried. They came back. They won twice. The MVP vote came in and it affected him mentally or it appeared to. He did get hit in the face again. He had a tremendous year. Um... But you can't say that he was robbed. If you voted for him, I get it. Because, but the biggest reason why I think you vote for him is because Joker won last year. And you can always resort to that. You can always be like, he won last year. Let's vote for Embiid this year. Because yeah. I don't think you can look at their two seasons from top to bottom, the close of record, the total statistics, and say that the Joel Embiid had the better season. And I think value to a team, I think what Joker did with nobody other than Aaron Gordon, according to Ernie, um, was remarkable. Joel Embiid had a great year, yeah. but um, 
Yeah, that was fun. That, 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 was, that was pretty fun. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even I, sure you believe what no, you're saying, I, I, but you I do believe it because, because Joel Embiid didn't have that great of a supporting cast. Maxi, yeah, he played well. He's a sec. He's a, what a second or third year player who had streaky games, and his his games only came out when uh, after you know the trade trade deadline right. came when when Seth uh, when Seth left Seth left yeah. and Drummond Drummond so he. he and there is no one that would believe that uh, Tobias Harris is the Tobias Harris of uh, of old. That guy is. A sh- I mean, I, he scored. He scores more, but I think he scores more because Ben Simmons isn't there or other pieces yeah. aren't. I think there. he's been lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I, he, I think his shots have been taken away, yeah. and some of that came back against the Heat. I think yeah. he had a pretty good series against the yeah, Heat, and, and they're gonna need him to re to really take the next step next year because yeah. we'll talk a little bit yeah, more about and, and, Harden. And as far as Jokic stats are concerned, if, if stats are all you look at, then the Phoenix Suns should be the NBA champions because they had the best record in the in the NBA. So that's that's what I feel about stats. It's just from my standpoint, again, uh, and, and I hate saying this because it makes me look like an Indian trader because I did pick Jokic earlier, but in my opinion, uh, and, you know... It just it's just it's just frustrating when uh, you know you just look at the game and there's so many things outside of the game that in my opinion really affect uh, basketball uh, and it comes from the media and, and and like you said earlier in regards to uh, to Jordan Poole I mean that mental part uh, plays a toll on top of you and I I just think that part was uh, you know not factored into these uh, at least. Uh, most of the voters out there because he only had 26 votes but let's move on past this because I don't want to even argue about Giannis being number two in your book. Well, Ernie has a bias because he's an Eastern Conference person so that's why. Okay, let's switch. I mean, that that, that was fun. I mean, that's the, that was a sports rivals moment right there. Um, and of course, you can let me know on social media that I won that argument. But anyway, let's talk NFL. I mean, NFL, they do such an incredible job. They they make every single thing the biggest thing. Right. And this schedule release, they're leaking information all week long, and then they finally release things out. So I want to focus in on the Rams and the and the Steelers. Okay. We'll go through their, their two records. Let's start with my Rams. So let's have some fun. Though. I just want to ask you something. I mean, right now, if you have to think about it in the NFC, I mean, I think last year was obvious, but in the NFC of the four divisions, which one do you think is the strongest heading into 2022? The strongest? The strongest division. You know, is it is it Dallas, Philadelphia, Washington, and the Giants? Is it? No. Is it Tampa, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons? No, it's going to be the, yeah. It's going to be the it's going to be your division. The, the NFC the West. West. Okay. So the West. NFC West is going to be the hardest division. So the Rams have six games against the NFC West. In the AFC, let's take a look at the AFC. If you have to tell me which division is probably the strongest division heading into 2022, which division would you think? It's the North. You think it's the North? It's the, it's the, well, you could say it's going to be the AFC West. Okay. You can say that, but to me, it's, to me, it's the North. I mean, they have, they have the, you know the defending uh, AFC uh, champions in the the Bengals. You're gonna see a Ravens team that lost 22 players last season all come back, uh, even more fortified because of their cap situation. Then you got Steelers coming out, you know, with their, uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, a disappointing season, and with the wild card being in the quarterback position. And then you got the Browns again coming off of a, a change, and we will. And I, you can't judge the Browns until Deshaun Watson suits up until after uh, supposedly game game six. Okay, so for argument's sake, Ernie Ernie says the AFC North. I think the consensus, especially with the sports prognosticators, the consensus. You mean the guys who voted for Jokic? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm talking about when this came out. If you listened and you watched NFL Network, if you watched NFL Live, and you talk about it, I think the consensus is that the AFC West with the with the Chiefs, the Broncos, the the Chargers, and the Raiders have the top to bottom best division, and the Rams play that division. So okay. that that's my point. So okay. the Rams have four games against the. One of the two best divisions in the AFC. Now, going into next year, who's the best team in the AFC? 
Well, that's hard. I, I mean, if I were to pick right now, put my put my uh, put a gun to my head, I would I would say the Bills. Okay, so the Buffalo Bills is the consensus number one team in the NFL heading into next year. Okay, the Rams play the Buffalo Bills, so the Rams play six games against the hardest division in the NFC. Four games against arguably the hardest division in the AFC. Okay. One game against the number one team in the AFC. And then in the NFC, besides the Rams, who would be some of your the best teams in the NFC? In the NFC, Green yeah. Bay. Green Bay. Rams play them in Green Bay. Who else? <laughs> Tampa Bay. Replay Tampa. <laughs> yeah, in Tampa. Who else? I mean, arguably, you could say Dallas because Dallas was, okay. a, was a top team. We play Dallas. Okay. My point, gang, is the Rams' schedule is brutal. That is brutal. It's by far That's the brutal. hardest statistical season That's brutal. Uh, in terms of, the, of who they have to play. Road games at Green Bay, at Kansas City, at Tampa Bay, games against Buffalo, games against Dallas, two games against our hated rivals, the Niners. The Rams are going to have a challenge if they're going to repeat. I, I mean, their schedule is brutal. I, so as I look at their schedule I right agree. now, I mean, as you go through the schedule, I think they'd be lucky to go 12 and 5. I think they're more likely to be 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 if they're completely healthy. Um, but their schedule is a gauntlet. Yeah. It is just brutal. Um, they they have in the towards the end of the season they have a stretch where they they play at Green Bay then they host Denver on Christmas and they go at the Chargers. Um, it's going to be a challenge for for my Rams. So thank you for entertaining me in answering those questions. That, that, that is brutal because that, their schedule is just nuts. So let's transition to your Steelers. Your early thoughts on the Steelers schedule. St the Steelers schedule isn't as brutal as the Rams schedule. I'll give you that. The, the, you know, the, the good thing about for the Rams schedule is they don't have to play the Steelers this year. So be be uh, rather than the Steelers be, be than the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> be thankful about that. Hey, but the Steelers, the Steelers, the Steel the Steelers travel to the Bills. You know, on October 9th. They also got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm -hmm. on their schedule, yep. uh, albeit they, they're at home. Uh, but the gauntlet, again, is going to be it, it's gonna be the, the AFC North. I mean, uh, even as a Steeler fan, I, I mean, it's, it's hard-pressed for me to see them uh, moving past, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens this season, especially with... Uh, an unproven quarterback. I mean, uh, their defense will always be their defense, so I believe they're, they're still going to be in the games. And I think from uh, a management standpoint, you know, the coaching has got, gotten uh, better. I, I, I think we've put the, the Steelers have put the right uh, people in the right places as far as defense. It's the offense. I think the offensive line is going to be much improved. But the offensive line is only there for the quarterback and the running back. The running back, we all know, is going to be Najee Harris. He's going to be the workhorse. Mm -hmm. He'll have a vastly improved season, in my opinion. But it's that quarterback position. I mean, we all know how NFL games are played. Uh, with, a, with a ball, with two-pointed ends, you have no idea where that thing's going. Of course, you're going to find yourself behind the eight ball in some instances. And I, I really just don't know if this offense can, uh, you know, come back, especially if it's going to be overcoming a double-digit lead to actually make some type of impact. So I'll, I'll be happy if, uh, I'll be ecstatic actually if we make the playoffs, uh, but I'm really anticipating somewhere about, uh, and I, I say this because Mike Tomlin has not had in his tenure, even when he, we had Ben Roethlisberger out for 15 games, he's, never had, a a, he's never had a losing he season. He finds a way to he win. Finds, he finds ways. Oh. Nine, nine, and, nine and eight is my prediction. Okay, so let's well, just for the sake of it, let's let's go through the Steelers games, you know, 1 through 17. We're not going to do that for the Rams cuz that's going to make me too sad, but we'll do that for, for the Steelers. But the one advantage that the Steelers have is that they're the only team, I believe. I could be wrong. I I may have heard this wrong. But in total through 17 games, the Steelers travel a total of 6,400 miles the whole year. And they never leave the Eastern time zone That's awesome. for all 17 games. That's that awesome. is an incredible advantage. No crisscrosses, no having to get used to, to time changes, no adjustments there. So that's a big advantage. But what's going to really make or break the Steelers season to me is historically they get off to great starts 
and then they they kind of fade possibly down the stretch. But I think that had a lot to do with Ben Roethlisberger and his arm getting tired. I think the opposite will happen this year, whether it be Trubisky or Pickett. I believe the Steelers will get better, but their start, Ernie, at the Bengals in Week One. That's How do you see that? That is that's that's going to be brutal. I mean. Uh, the Bengals are on a three-game winning streak. That's that hasn't happened in my lifetime, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and they've they've just gotten better because their cap situation with a rookie quarterback, a rookie wide receiver, is just one of the better cap situations in in the NFL. That's why they're able to put pieces together. Uh, I have I I have that's that's an away game. They're playing at Cincinnati. That I mean that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's they, a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean they did beat Buffalo when Buffalo was the consensus last year at Buffalo, but lightning doesn't hit strike twice. So I would agree. I, I would think that first one would be a loss. Then week two against New England. Uh, that's that's a win. I don't. Okay, so I, one and one after two. One and one after two. I think they lose at the Browns for some reason. But see, that that one is where I think it's, it's iffy. If Deshaun Watson can play, I think they're going to lose that game. If he's suspended, which I cannot... For the life of me, I cannot imagine that he will be playing before being suspended. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if he's playing in that game. And if he's not, with the situation going on with Baker Mayfield, you're talking about Jacoby Brissett. I think they can go in there and knock him off. I, I mean, I really do. Maybe. I was factoring that Deshaun wasn't going to play. And I still them. I still have that as a loss. Okay. I mean, the, the Browns have had the Steelers... Uh, Number over the past several years. I mean, the uh, Browns took it from them twice last year. Uh, we split. I mean, not last year, two years ago, and they split last year. I just have the Browns. I mean, like, yeah, taking away, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson there. But again, the, the Steelers' quarterback position is is just something I right. cannot predict on. And, and and that's the thing. I think early on, so one and two after the first, then you have the Jets. Jets are still the Jets. They've done a tur- They had the best draft. It's just too early. The, okay, the, so the Jets two and fun. two through four games, which is not bad. Then they go at Buffalo. Buffalo gets the revenge from the loss last year. Okay, so it's through two and three. Then Tampa Bay and Tom Brady come to town. Tom Brady has the Steelers' number. There, that, that's. That's a man amongst boys in the quarterback position. That's the most important position in the NFL. Tom Brady takes that one. Okay, so two and four. I'm I'm with you here. I mean, I, I think two and four is fine. The next two, I think, are really, really interesting and really critical. They've done, both of these teams have done a really good job in the offseason. Now, whether that translates or not, we're going to have to see. So really curious. At Miami, at Philly, how do the Steelers do? I think they split those games. I think they win in Miami. They get our defensive coach, who is the former coach of the Miami Dolphins, his revenge game. The Steelers have not won at Philadelphia. I saw the statistics when the schedule came out. They haven't won in Philadelphia in 30 years. I can't believe that. I think that streak continues. Well, I mean, really, really, they only play there every eight, ga- eight every eight years. So that that's not that daunting. Okay, so... Ernie has them at three wins and five losses through the first eight games. I I, I, I kind of see it the, the same way. I think the Miami and Philadelphia games are toss-ups. They could lose both. They could win both. Or like you say, it's likely that maybe they split. So then they get their bye week, and then they close the back half of the year. And this is where I think they can make a move. At home against New Orleans coming off a bye. Steelers win that one. I believe that. That's four and five. Then it's revenge against the Bengals. I don't think so. Okay, so the Bengals would not would knock them off. So that's four and six. Then you go to the Colts. The Colts, the Steelers beat the Colts last year. I think that evens itself out. I think they lose at... Uh, at Indianapolis? At Indianapolis. I, I would think so too. So that's four and seven. Then it's Atlanta. Uh, they're in the same situation as far as quarterback is concerned. I think the Steelers take advantage of them because they have the better defense. Steelers win. I agree. Five, five, five and... Wait, where are we right now? We're four and seven. So... No, now we're... Yeah, five and seven right now. Heading into the last five games. Two of which are against Baltimore. The first one at home. Steelers take that one. They always play, no matter what the record is, they always play the Ravens close. I think they, they win this in a nail-biter. Uh, Steelers win. Six and seven, then they go to Carolina. Carolina is, it really depends on Carolina. I mean, that's 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 so far in the future. I really want to see how that uh, offense changes with uh, ATN in there. Oh, no, not ATN. 
Uh, with, it's still Sam Darnold. They didn't really yeah. upgrade at quarterback, you know and they got McCaffrey still there. Uh, I'll go with the Steelers. I do too. I, yeah. So that's seven and seven, and they're making a push now. But then they, the last three games are going to be important. The Raiders come to to. I hate to that Pittsburgh. game. It's, it, it's it's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't think any of the players really want to play in this game. The Raiders, for some reason, have the Steelers' numbers. No matter what, they always play a tight game. Uh, I'm going to lean towards the Steelers, even though I have reservations on top of that one. I would agree. I, I think the Steelers pull that out. I think National TV, uh, Christmas Eve, I think they win that. Then at Baltimore. And Baltimore takes that one. So 8-8 eight and eight going into the last game of the year, and you predicted 9-8 and eight or so. So yeah. I, I'm pre- you, you've got Cleveland winning that one. I got. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh I, beating I Cleveland Pittsburgh, in the yeah, last. I think they split that. All right. I mean, so I kind of see these games right now, and it's kind of fun to take a look. And right now, we kind of take a look at this. I kind of agree with you. I mean, I mean, there are certain games that anything can happen, but how you broke this down in terms of where the wins and losses come from make total sense to me. Um, but nine and eight's not going to get them into the playoffs. No, it's not going to so get them. I into the expect playoffs. because they do it all the time. When was the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers underperformed expectations? I, I can't remember that. They're going to be better than nine and eight somehow, some way. They're going to finish ten and seven, and I think they're going to find their way into the playoffs because they just figure it out. I hope so, and I hope so. I hope that correlates with Pickett overtaking. Trubisky. I think Trubisky starts because he's Trubisky, because he has the experience. I'm hoping that uh, if Pickett can can come in and, you know, I, I, I don't want to wish injury upon any anybody, but, you know, maybe a ding play here where he's just, he just has a sprained ankle or something. Uh, and Trubisky, I mean, uh, Pickett throws like for three touchdowns. <laughs> and... And remains the Steelers quarterback for the rest of the season, then I can see that. All these games, I'm predicting that Trubisky is going to be the quarterback. It could be. I, I actually don't think it really matters. I think Trubisky and Pickett, if Pickett were to win the job this year, he's not going to be that much better than Trubisky. It'll mm. be a decision that, hey, this is our quarterback of the future. We're going to build on him. Um, but I think they're going to have better quarterback play than expected. And I think offensively, I think their line's going to be improved. Yeah. And the line was I the biggest that. problem. I agree. So if the line is just marginally improved, you're going to see leaps from Najee Harris. Yes. yes. And then I love what they did with their wide receivers. Yes, they lost Juju, but they replaced them with two guys in the draft. You were saying that they really, really loved uh, Austin. The, yeah, the Calvin Austin from from Memphis. Um, and that, and they also have the the Georgia kid George Pickens mm-hmm. to go along with Clay, uh, Chase, uh, Clay yeah, Pitt. and then Deontay Thompson, I and Freermuth. I mean, I think that Freermuth their offense is yeah. going to be much better. And I think the the depth and the breadth of the offensive skill position players is going to help whoever the quarterback is. And the good thing is both of these quarterbacks are mobile. So even if the line is struggling a little bit. They're mobile. They're not like Ben at that point in his career where he's a stick. They'll be able to get outside. You would think Pittsburgh will be able to utilize them. You said the offensive coordinator likes mobile quarterbacks. He's got two now that can do what he likes to do. Um, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be just fine. I hope so. I hope so. I'm. I'm trying to be a realist. On top of that, you know, last year was a. I think I had them at 14 and 3. And winning year. the Super Bowl. <laughs> and winning, and actually being in the Super Bowl with the Rams. At least I had the Rams in yeah. there. Yeah, you did. I did it. No, but but gang, this is early. Of course, we're going to take another look, look at this right before the season starts. But it's just interesting. You know, the draft just happened and the schedule comes out. And you just kind of take a look at that. And your first glance, this is what you know Ernie thinks, 9 and 8. Um, we didn't do the Rams, but I'm thinking they'll be around 11 and six. I think is where That's I would possible. expect them to yeah. be. I would I would be disappointed as a Super Bowl champ that they would not be there. Um, but what about your team? You know, what does your team schedule look like? What kind of win loss record do you expect them to have? That's going to be interesting because the Rams win loss over under right now in Vegas was 10 and a half. Wow, that's right about where I see them. 11. 11 win or so and I think the Steelers one was was eight and a half if I'm not mistaken that's right where you yeah. see them right around nine wins 
Um, so we'll see. So in my closing thought, I'm going to go back to the NBA. So in, in earlier, we talked about Chris Paul kind of falling off a cliff um, in the back half of the series against the Mavericks. But Ernie, there's two guys that I think are going to really drive a lot of talk in the Eastern Conference, especially in the offseason. Okay. And let's talk a little bit about both. We're going to start with James Harden. The 76ers did not get the James Harden they thought they were going to get. Not even he, close. I mean, it really seemed like he... Talk about falling off a cliff. Watching him against Miami was painful. He couldn't get around anybody. I mean, anyone who was defending him, he could not get around. Um, he, he turned into just a facilitator, mm-hmm. which is... He's three years removed from averaging 35 points a game. But at this point in his life, this is where... You see the difference when you get to 32, 33 years old, the people who care for their bodies and the people who don't. James Harden is legendary for his strip club attending and, and his partying and, and not taking care of his body, at least from a nutritional uh, standpoint. And you see him aging not very well at this point. Now, here's the key for the Sixers. He has a player option that originally he was likely to opt out of because he wanted the max four-year, $264 million extension. There's no way that (laughs) you can pay him for four years. No way. Period. No way. To me, James Harden's best bet is to opt into his player deal for the $40 million and try to find a way to get himself into a better shape and better condition and run it back next year with the Sixers. Because if he opts out, I cannot imagine the 76ers give him anything more than maybe a two-year, $30 million deal of some sort because he really looked like a shadow of himself. And certain players age well, LeBron. Certain players don't. Harden looks like one of those. Westbrook looked like one of those this year, where they're so he Westbrook cares for his body, but he's so reckless that his body is so beaten down that when you're no longer the fastest guy on the court, things change. For Harden, when you no longer can get, you know, past people and you can't get to the line where he makes a living 10, 12, 14, 15 free throws a game, he's a shadow of himself. So right now, the the Sixers have to hope he opts in, or maybe not. Maybe they hope he opts out, and they don't have. They'll just let him walk and use his money to hopefully sign someone else. So, let's talk Harden first. Your thoughts on that? Am I off base here? Am I crazy? You're Do not, you sign him to four-year max contract? There, there, there is no way that 76ers sign him. There is no way that anybody in the NBA signs him for that contract. I mean. Uh, you just can't trust the guy anymore. Like you said, I mean... The well, first of all, he forced himself out of two yeah, different cities exactly. in the last two years. It, so even if he was at the top of his game, you have some doubts because he's not happy. Now he's become emotionally uh, inconsistent. Exactly. Um, but the playoffs really revealed how his physical deterioration has taken place as yeah, well. Yeah, and I, and I have two thoughts on top of that. I mean, one, I think he, was, he, just, he, he just had enough. Uh, I, I, I think he's a diva. I think when things just don't go his way, I've, I've heard rumbles around that he does not get along with Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is going to be out of a job as far as the 76ers are concerned. I heard rumblings that uh, they might get D'Antoni into a Sixer uh, position. If that happens, you know, that's right up Harden's alley. Maybe he can come back because he's, he, he had D'Antoni when he was in Houston. He had D'Antoni when he was... Uh, at Brooklyn, so that might be uh, you know a revised fountain of youth for him. He may prosper under that, uh, but I uh, he is such a disappointment because uh, in the first part of the the Brooklyn Nets season, he played decent. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 played more than decent. He played well. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. I, I I thought he he at at times, even though Kyrie wasn't there, that. He, if Kyrie came back, that he was, he would have remained the second best player on that team. Uh, his whole fallout came out, came once he came into Philadelphia. So I, I think on their management standpoint, uh, you know, if you look at his season 
in a totality, I think you you're a little bit more comfortable comfortable with uh, uh, having him back, but definitely not at max contract point. Yeah, there's no way you can get him a max contract, and I think with him, he's been battling these hamstring issues now for two years. Um, but the the physical decline in in the playoffs was was very concerning. Yeah. So if you're the Sixers right now. Are you hoping that he opts in and then you got to pay him for one more year? Are you hoping that he opts out? Do you sign him to an extension? Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine they sign him to an extension. Um, So we'll have to see. Now, let's shift to Kyrie, your favorite player. My favorite. Now, the Nets came out this week. Sean Marks says that they need their players to be committed to the team. So... What signal does that send to Kyrie? Are they all on the same page here? Is Kyrie ready? The vaccination status is one thing. Now, if it was only this year where he missed games because he didn't want to get vaxxed, that would be one thing. But he missed games last year because of the riots. He missed games for other social reasons. He's missed all kinds of games. At this point, Kyrie is just, when he's playing, he's brilliant. But he's just not committed to basketball at all costs. Like, you need him to be if you're the Nets. So I think they look to trade him. I, I, they're, they're definitely not going to extend him. He's got one year left on his contract. I don't think they give him a four-year max. I think they're going to look to see what they can get on the open market for Kyrie. Um, and if they can get anything that they're comfortable with, I think they're going to jump at that. I think Kyrie's time in Brooklyn may be coming to an end. I, I, I agree. Actually, I agree with you on top of that. I mean, at this point in time, Kyrie has been nothing. I mean, he's brilliant and everything. I mean, uh, even though I, I I love him so much, I mean, he, he's he's got to be, <laughs> he he has got to have the best handles. I mean, next I mean next 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 to Allen Iverson, I think he's got one of uh, the best the best handles in the NBA. But he is such a plus minus. What he does so well uh, on the basketball court, his off the basketball court antics just blow it up. I mean, we can talk about COVID this year. But since he's left the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kyrie Irving, and this counts into Boston and his early times with the Nets, he's only played a little bit more than one-third, I mean, two-thirds of the season in all six seasons since he left. And he's getting paid the full salary. And a lot of this, there's belief, the conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theorists think that he, this is done because he wants to play for a long time. And playing only... Uh, 55 games a year as opposed to 82 you know in in three seasons you save a year and he's already saved two years with that uh with that math as far as games played into extending his uh nba career and when you're getting paid 40 plus million dollars a year towards the back uh half of your superstardom getting paid 40 plus million that's a lot of money to contend with. So That's why Stephen A. Smith just this week was saying, you know, when the next collective bargaining agreement comes out, they're going to be able to look at Kyrie and say, it's your fault when the owners say, you know what? It's time to stop having us pay you $40 million a year for you guys to play two-thirds of the season. You know, if you're going to want max contracts, then you better play max games. Um, and I, I think we're coming to where you're going to start to see talk of pay for play mm-hmm. where you have to play in order to get your full pay and or some way shape or form so i think Kyrie is definitely an example of that i think Kyrie's time in brooklyn like i said is over i'll be curious to see who would want to bring him in who is courageous enough to bring him in um and what assets would you give up to take Kyrie on i i, I certainly wouldn't know that portland for, for I mean, for would you? I mean, if if I were Brooklyn, I would do that in a heart in a heartbeat. But if I'm Portland, I'm not sure I would. Uh, I heard talk of Kyrie for AD, um, two guys that never play. But I, he didn't want to play with LeBron the first time. <laughs> Why would you bring him back now? I mean, I, I don't see the Lakers doing that. Um, but it'll be curious to see. But I th- I just thought this week those two names. There'll be others. I I believe there'll be fallout in Phoenix. Once things shake out, you know, I don't think they'll be followed in, in Milwaukee because I think they can always look and say, hey, you know what? Middleton wasn't here if we had him. Whether that's true or not, in their mind, they can convince themselves that that was the case. So I think they're going to stay relatively intact. I think Phoenix is going to look to 
change things up. Yeah, I think the I way they lost Game 7 is going to be a very big concern. So, you know, maybe Devin Booker does end up a Los Angeles Laker next year. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to cover, Ernie? No, I'm good. All right, gang. So we encourage you again to check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Again, tell us what you think about your team schedule. What record do you think they're going to have? Tell us what you think, Joker or MB. Ernie can take it if you tell him that he's crazy. I'm not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And Ernie's Boston Celtics advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. Can they continue that run? We'll see this week, starting with Game 1 Tuesday night in Miami. And until next week, gang, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Mm-hmm.